the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 31, recorded Friday, March 2nd, 2012. I am Tim Tron. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, the weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Welcome to the big show. Uh, With us this week is George Tucker. He's the engineering coordinator of World Stage. You can find him on the Twitterverse at Tucker2s. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. It's going to be a really big show. A really big show. I I have never been able to do uh, Mr. Sullivan, so I won't even try anymore. (laughs) Uh, Adrian Boyd is also here. He is from Vector Sketch in the bright Midwestern city of St. Louis, Missouri, the gateway to the West. Uh, how are you, Adrian? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And to uh, to complete the Midwestern flair is Michael Drainer. He is sis- the uh, sound and AV systems manager from Tech Electronics in St. Louis. How are you, dude? Hi ho. Uh, today on AV Week, we're going to talk about the <laughs> wonderful noise that was going on uh, at the Oscars last week. Uh, just because we get to make fun of somebody else running sound uh, live. Uh, this week in Barcelona, a projector was released that also had a, sound, a cell phone uh, attached to it. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and also, uh, just new this morning, Atlas Sound uh, released that they are buying a line array company. Uh, before we get to all of that, though, something came down the pike on Tuesday that had not only Twitter, but also Facebook and just the internet and also phones in general going nuts. And I think it's a big story. We'll go around the, the horn and, and see what you guys think. But on Tuesday, Andrew Edwards, the uh, the head of Extron Electronics, released not only a, a written statement, but also a, a videotaped one as well. It starts out like this, and this is a quote. After serious reflection and review, I have decided to make a significant change to our trade show schedule. Effective this year, Extron will no longer exhibit at the Infocom USA and ISE Integrated System Europe trade show. Mr. Edwards goes on to say that, you know, they've been doing a lot of retooling and and they're more focused on local training and and their local offices, which they're, they're starting to open some more of. Michael, we'll start with you just because you're, you're right here next to me in, in the studio. You're, you're an Extron dealer. Tech is an, is an Extron dealer. What is your sense and, and how big of a, of a deal do you think it is that Extron is, is removing themselves from, from this year's Infocom and, and the foreseeable future ones? Well, if I'm Crestron, I'm saying welcome to my party. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
you know, I, I think it's a I think it's a huge mistake on Extron's part to make this move. Um, I know in the article, Mr. Edwards says that it's not a financial decision, that they're a strong company. They've released many new products this year. They're growing. They're changing. But I can tell you, based on personal experience, Extron's losing market share. They're losing market share to the innovators of digital technology. And um, they've got to be hurting in some capacity. And I don't know if this decision is being driven by that or not. But at a minimum, still have your presence made at, at Infocom. Goodness sake, you don't have to pull the plug on everything. So you're saying don't, you know, yeah, yeah you can scale back the bash or cancel the bash. But at yeah. least show up. You know what? Give it to, you know, reward your top 10% of dealers and, and throw a nice little private party for them if that's what you want to do. You don't have to rent out Planet Hollywood, invite everybody and their entire families. Well, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I mean, it's always it's been a nice. great time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a definitely a nice time for anybody that's been to the Extron parties. But, um, you know, I think it's really kind of alienating their, their dealers in um, – giving that form for them to come to the show and have access to the people that they'd normally wouldn't have access to on a day-by-day basis. Now, I think it's a noble effort to increase your training efforts and your educational efforts and things like that. And Extron has always been heralded as a leader in training and education, but I can't imagine the marketing folks um, uh, rolled over easily with this decision. Well, the ironic part of that is is on our, on our education show, EdTech, we had on Tim Schnabel, which to me is, is one of the best education guys uh, in the industry to talk about exactly that, is talk about their, their education uh, programs at and, Extron. And Tim's with Extron, right? Yeah, yeah, Tim, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, we, Tim Schnabel from, from Extron, he's, he's a part of their, their education team. George, uh, Extron was one of the big three platinum sponsors. So this is not like uh, some guy in the back hall pulling out. Uh, is this is this a sign of things to come, or is this just this one company making this this decision? I've heard all kinds of stuff from guys that I've been talking to uh, on both sides of it. Um, I've heard guys saying, you know, I've talked to a lot of people saying, oh, if they could only go out, this would be, you know, it takes one big player to go, and all the rest will follow and fall out. They're really angry. They think it's too much money. Blah 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 blah. Yet all of them admit that the shows, of course, drive sales and are really resourceful and are good things, right? Not just for all of us getting together, having a few drinks and seeing the product, but the important part is seeing the product. I have been questioning this and asking on the articles since uh, since Rave pushed it out first on Twitter and on their blog, is, uh, trying to figure out why this would work for them. <clears throat> and what they're saying, of course, is what? They're going to have education centers across the country where they'll have big demo areas, sort of like Crestron's experience centers, sort of like Savant's experience centers. But I can't understand how that's going to replace the face-to-face right. and being able to cater to and show off to thousands of people in a short three-day period. I mean he says in his little uh, – Andrew says in his letter, these short three days. Yeah, but I don't go everywhere, and I'm not going to go to 15 different locations yeah. to see one product's or one manufacturer's product line. So I'm not the guy getting trained. Okay, so maybe I'm not the prime sales person they're going to go after, or the prime revenue, but I'm tertiary revenue. I buy a lot of Extron GAC, and I don't see how wanting me to come – okay, it's in New York. It's not that difficult for me, but if I'm in just outside the borders of those metropolitan areas, that's a tough call. And if I'm sending somebody to those, I'm sending one guy, not four. Yeah, right. So that's one guy who has to help make the decisions. Maybe it's easier for you to woo, but then he's got to. Then you're going to take out of the the, the, the decision process the three other guys who now will start looking for alternatives because they couldn't go see the product. 
And as somebody said on one of the links, um, maybe I start looking at AMX's stuff. That looks pretty interesting because they're there. Um, and the only other thing, and so I, I'm having a real difficult time seeing how it works for them and trying to figure out where he's seeing that it actually does work. Maybe it's a pipe dream. Maybe like Mr. Forgoza said on his Twitter account uh, that this could be Extron's quickster moment. <laughs> <laughs> Give him credit for that because that really struck me like it could be or maybe they're just trying to needle Infocom and I'll come back next year. I don't, I, I'm don't. i really hard pressed to see. To their defense, what did Infocom say? We're sorry to have them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the niceties. But they also said something to the effect of Kodak left us years ago. Yeah. We're still here. <laughs> And they were the big one. I'm still mixed up about it. Really am. Well, and I'm not. I'm not really concerned about the show itself because, I, and this is kind of how how my brain works. I, I went immediately once I saw the link on on Rave to the Infocom show, infocomshow.org, and they already had the third the the, the Extron's Platinum sponsorship had already been replaced by Samsung. Yeah. There you go. So you know you, you know nothing against Andrew or or Extron, but you know it, it, they already found somebody to. To take that, uh, Adrian, is this is this you know worse for for Extron or worse for the users? Well, it's not a decision that was taken very lately. Um, I actually have uh, a little bit of insight of this because my company's actually exhibited at Infocom four years in a row, oh. so I know the undertaking that it that happens to put a to, to put a booth on at Infocom. And you know, my little ten by ten booth was nowhere close to what Extron would do. No, but, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap, no. Um, just to give you an idea, a, a small 10 by 10 booth, small company, maybe two people, you're looking around $10,000. So when you look at, at what Extron had, the size of their booth, plus the bash, millions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah, and same thing with Crestron. And then they're doing that not only in Infocom USA, but they did it at ISE. Um, they're doing it at other locations, um, you know, in, in India, in China, um, all over the world. That's a big dollar ticket when you look at marketing and training and where you could be putting your money best on a yearly basis. Um, when you're looking at employees, you know, they're, they're, they've got around 2,000 employees. Well, they're probably taking, you know, around 500 or more to the show. You know, sales team, tech guys, they're sh you know, you got to shut down a couple offices, you've got to run skeleton crews. It's a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. So, for them to pull out of the show, it's not like, hey, we're just going to leave the show. It's it's probably been considered for a while, probably even before ISE, and and uh, you know it happens. Uh, Infocom's a, uh, is a, is a monumental thing to do as a manufacturer, as a vendor, to show up there and do. Um, for them to do it as long as they've been doing it, um, and all of the the input they put in. I mean, it's not just them doing the show. I mean, they they supply a lot of excellent trainers for uh, the Super Tuesday for a lot of the courses. Uh, I'm pretty sure those guys are still going to be involved, just not to the extent that they have been in the past. Um, kind of, I'm I'd like to do the wait and see approach. You know, let's see what happens. But but why pull out all the way? I mean, that's that's what I don't get with this whole thing. So so you want to scale back and you want to reallocate some resources, both financial and human resources, to to enhance and build up your training efforts. That's great. But why pull out completely? I, I just don't see the logic in that. You know, there's probably something. You know, I don't want to speculate, but there's probably more going on that oh, we're not speculate. aware of. Oh, there has. Oh, you got to. Yeah. There, there's there's got to be. There's got to be way more going on. I mean, um, I know for a fact. I mean, there there are a lot of vendors 
who go and do Infocom. They're a little put out of joint over the priority boost space selection. Um, and basically it works like this. The more you go, the higher you get in rank, which means you get priority boost space picking. Um, so everybody in the front row, they've been there for long. They have the ma- they have the most amount of points. They get to pick wherever they go. And there are some vendors, they have a guaranteed location. This is where you're going to be year in, year out. Yeah. Um, some vendors have started to scale back. I mean, if you've noticed the last couple of years, NEC has scaled back their booth. Um, Sony, uh, what was it, one year, they weren't even going to show up. They came, they, they had a drastically scaled back booth. Um, so, and, you know, when we look at the trade show market in general, trade shows are getting smaller. Uh, they're going away. Uh, NSCA uh, got to the point where they saw their numbers dropping substantially because you had a lot of uh, integration companies going, I can't do both. I can't go to Infogom. I can't go to NSCA. I'll pick one or the other. Or I'll do one year and I'll do the other the next year. They had the opportunity to merge with, uh, with Infocom. So that show went away, and that consolidated a whole lot of people going to one location. And and also, to think about it, there are only two places uh, from well, when, I, when I've talked to Infocom that actually handle Infocom. That's Vegas, and that's Orlando, and that has to do with um, convention space and hotel rooms. So it's not like Infocom can go to other places. I mean, they tried it at Anaheim, and you know that was a very tight convention spot and not a lot of hotel rooms. So it's not like they can go, hey, we can go to Indiana or we can go to wherever. It's They're dedicated to two locations, hence why they signed that nice big 10-year-long contract um, to do that. So uh, it's, you know, I, this is going to be really interesting to see what happens at this show with their absence. Um, yes, the party's gone and everyone likes the party. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I guess you know, other, the, other the people funny thing is step up. The funny thing is I'm not going to miss the party because the years that I went – not as a Crestron person, I actually was invited to the Crestron parties, and as a Crestron person, I wasn't allowed at the Extron party. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's a watch the parties. I'm like, oh, okay. One thing that, that we the other day we 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 have this this daily show with with Gary called the Daily Rave, and he he made the comment that the Extron party was the one party that everybody could go to. I mean, the the Extron was very very generous, almost to a fault, which we may be seeing the fruit of that, uh, with with the tickets to get into the bash. And so that was where you could see people that worked for other manufacturers and, and other integrators and people like me. Education would, would mingle with guys like Michael, you know, and then take a shower afterwards. Because uh, <laughs> you know, they're integrators. You know. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Oh. Just for the record, I'm happily married with my first child on the way. <laughs> There's a story I'll tell you about Michael and his wife and dancing at the Extron Batch later. later so, um. Well, actually, that was the time I, I bumped Andrew Edwards and said, excuse me, excuse me, I need to get through the door, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> he turned around and was like, oh, okay. And now we've all discovered why there is no more Bash. <laughs> It's all Michael's fault. I'm like, I walk by, I walk by, and, and uh, <laughs> I come up to nice. the table. Tim and my wife are sitting there, and, and I go, man, this old dude was standing in the, oh, in the door. The <laughs> <laughs> he was standing in the door, and he wouldn't move. And he turns around, and, and Tim goes, dude, that was Andrew Edwards. <laughs> no, actually, this is actually how it was. I said, dude, do you know who that was? <laughs> no. Like, all, all upset because well, they – <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I said that was Andrew Edwards, you know, the guy who's putting on this party. 
Yeah, it so. was funny. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I can tell that the couple times I've met Andrew, he's a very gracious host. Awesome. He's Absolutely. A really, he's Absolutely. a really yes. nice guy. Yeah. One of you the know? things that, that I, I, I've talked with multiple people about this, but but their education and stuff, not to get on that, but but they, they are very accommodating when it comes to training people at their at their location. And maybe that's, you know what, to me, that's a strength of theirs. And maybe that's Absolutely. what they're playing to. Uh, one of the times that I was out there, probably about two or three years ago, just like everybody else, they cater lunch and stuff like that. And you know, everybody have everybody in. And me, me and the guy that I, I was I was there with, we're just sitting down, having some barbecue and stuff like that. And in walks Andrew and sits down next to us, and and has lunch with us, and and just is the very most genuine guy. Uh, tells us his you know the story of, of how he got involved in, in AV and and the story of Extron, and it, it's fascinating. But he's a very nice guy, and, and so that's why it, in my heart I hope that this is not financial. But you know what? There's something, something's not jiving here. You know, something is we're, not... We're not getting the whole story. Yeah, the, that, the dots that's are not sure. connected. No, no. That's my, that's my two cents. Anyhow. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> I still can't believe you, you bumped off Andrew Edwards. So. Oh, Jeez, Michael, Michael, day. Michael. It's a day I won't forget. Mommy. Yeah. <laughs> and now because of this broadcast, nor will he. Nor will he. <laughs> right. <That's what> <laughs> Find out that guy's name. Uh, I finally put a name to the face. For yes. years, I've been waiting to find out. <laughs> no more extra for you. <laughs> My name is Indigo Montoya. I'm sorry. <laughs> no more RGB 109. You bumped me into um, the We have just, yeah. You just lost, like you just lost different control. memes altogether. The soup Nazi to Princess Bride. Love. <laughs> True right. love. True love. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah. Okay, going back. Uh, Ray from Rave Publications, you know, the fine folks who actually distribute this mess. Um, Atlas Sound acquires line array manufacturers A-Line Acoustics. Who? A-Line Acoustics. Who? I think there's an owl in the office. <laughs> I think there is, too. Uh, George, is this is this Atlas Sound trying to get into the business that, it, from my very elementary standpoint everybody else is and that's line arrays because that's what a-line a does yeah i mean i was still looking at that and trying to uh figure i mean the only thing i see is that there's you know there's the, the patents on the rigging systems yeah that's a valuable thing mm-hmm. um whether or not that's simply just a line stuff or, or or that kind of thing that's what they're probably going after is patents and maybe some work i would be surprised if a lot of the stuff is spun off eventually um that's what I would be looking at is the rigging systems. That's probably a big business thing right there. Adrian, does this make sense for, for, for these guys to get into? Or is this, you know, are they grasping at straws to, to try to get into this business? No, I don't think it's a, it, it's grasping at straws. I mean, it's certainly a, pro, a productive use um, when you look at, at what Atlas has. I mean, Atlas is, they're one of the oldest speaker manufacturers in the U.S., like 19, what, 30-something, 37, 38. So they've been around a while. And um, they you know, they do just more than speakers, and I think that's what everyone kind of forgets. I mean, they, they make racks and they make cables, and, I mean, they have all sorts of interesting little applications and products. And uh, Atlas itself can tie into a couple of other uh, – um, their parent company, MyTech, I mean – they have been involved in the in the audio uh, field for decades. Um, you know, some of the first, you know, going back to my car audio days, I mean, some of the first really good 
speakers and car audio were made by you know um by uh, my one of my tech companies so you know it's i think it's just a natural progression i mean you look at a lot of we've seen the changes in our industry since about 2000 where a lot of manufacturers are starting to be consolidated under under um larger umbrellas of different companies and there and when you look at uh, for instance amx uh they just basically have gone out and purchased a lot of the technology you're now seeing integrated into some of their new products, Autopatch, you know, Endaleo. So I think it's just a natural progression. You know, companies are going to start finding products that fit their needs. They're going to actively go out and purchase them. You know, um, look at uh, what happened to Light Touch. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Uh, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Michael, Adrian brought up something. It, you, you either in industry, you either develop and innovate on your own or you buy it <laughs> so is this is this a smart move for for atlas or should could they have done it this themselves uh it just would have taken a little bit longer time you know I, I don't think it's something that they could have done themselves i think it would have taken too much time too many dollars too many resources and you know to acquire technology is definitely a model that's worked for many different people not only in our industry but also other industries i mean that's the whole cisco model right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't innovate just buy that's ex that's absolutely right <laughs> buy and conquer right right so you know i see this as um you know atlas doesn't really play in the large scale sound reinforcement marketplace other than um their large stadium horns which is which is more pa type stuff for announcements and things of that sort and in um outdoor stadiums and arenas and things so they don't have a product that really fits where uh a line does and so i think they're trying to fill a market niche that they're not uh, catering to. Now, whether or not they'll be successful there, uh, time will tell. All right. Uh, there's there's one name that has actually kind of woven its its way through my brain the last couple of years or the last couple of weeks even um, when it comes to AV, and it's a name that has it's actually shocked me the, the, as as prevalent as it's become, and that name is Samsung. Not just because of their displays, or the, you know, last week we talked about the fact that they were spinning off their LCD market and, and embracing OLED, which you know I'm all hallelujah, that's great. Uh, now this week with with Extron dropping out of, of Infocom, not to rehash that story, but they are the ones who took the the platinum sponsorship that Extron uh, Extron relinquished. Throw that into throw this into the mix. Uh, this week in Barcelona. Is, is, is the worldwide uh, cell phone uh, manufacturer's uh, exhibit. And they released something called the Samsung Galaxy Beam. Uh, it's an Android-based phone, so woohoo, you know, go, go droid. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> it, it also, and the reason we're talking about this on an AV show, it has a projector <gasps> built in. Wow. A DLP HD 640 by 360 projector. That's impressive. George? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Did you mention it's only 15 lumens? Be quiet, Michael. Um, that it only works in a completely dark room? Be quiet, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, guys? And I it, mean, and come it, on. And, it, and it sucks the life out of my battery. I'm trying to get excited about this stuff. Why? Three Thank hours you, presentation time. Yay! <laughs> Who's going to do a PowerPoint for three hours? Seriously. You should have seen where I was on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, guys. I mean, stuff like this is, yes, it's only 15 lumens, yes. 
Uh, but it's a DLP. Let's start there. And, and I think the only reason it's a DLP is because I don't think you could do three LCD inside a cell phone. Uh, you probably could eventually. It would look like a Motorola tank. <laughs> I used to have one of those flip phones. You know, the big, That's great. The tortoise shell, you know. Have the um, bag phone. Yeah. Is this something guys like, you know, me in education or guys that are, you know, tech, technology managers of, of board, you know, of, of multi, you know, million dollar company boardrooms are going to have to deal with? You know, I'm, I'm the president of, of the college. I'm the big CEO. I've got this smancy, fancy, you know, cell phone in my pocket now. And I want to do my presentation from here. George, how do you tell the president of your company that that's just a silly idea? Well, you do and you don't. Um, you know, at times there's the, oh, okay, I've given my reasons and I wouldn't do that, sir, and let them do it. Um, in some ways, okay, so they're not going to do it with this version of the unit. This is a play thing. Yes, but, but it's a thing. harbinger of things to come. It's, and that's why I'm excited about it. Yes, and, and, and I'm of mixed emotions about it because I think from the perspective, just like we had wireless uh, you know, content to uh, uh, projectors nowadays, like mm -hmm. with the Infocuses and all those guys, you know, Infocus, Proxima, all those same companies that make different labels on the same product. Um, that <laughs> hey, don't, <t> <laughs> don't you dare talk about our friends at, at, at Sanyo slash Panasonic. <laughs> with boards built by Sony. Um, but You know what? I drive a VW, but I tell everybody I drive an Audi. There you go. <laughs> um, but so I like this idea. Moving forward, I like Please. this idea of a this Pico projector. That's you know, let's call it what it is. It's a Pico projector. It's a right. micro Pico um, projector. And years ago, we didn't. If we if we saw the first version of what is it the uh, the Rody? Uh, I forget who makes that. That really small front projection mirrored mm -hmm. system that's made to be these really big really high resolution uh images we all went that's not possible you know mirror rigs they take too much they're too complicated and now they're out there all the time it will get better the megapixels will get better on on car, uh, camera phones and this will get better i like that from a techie head side i don't think that you'll get to the point at least not in the next five to ten years where it'll replace you know 450 people projection systems you need big real real projection systems to be old here uh to do that kind of stuff right proper height this that and all the other stuff so from a personal this the three-hour powerpoint show uh, from from the ceo that's kind of cool I, I like it i've written about this extensively at times uh way back oh god like 2006 uh where i just have a problem with a cell phone having yet another thing that could possibly mm -hmm fringe on my privacy and personal space you think loud talkers on their next tells or just on their cell phones were bad wait till he starts putting up not just his travel slides of where we were in bermuda but what about if he wants to put something up a little more illicit because he's an arrogant b you know sob hey, <laughs> and it. no we one needs to rating. see yeah well i mean yeah there you go uh well that shot the hell um <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh. It went in like a dime came out like a. Um... <laughs> where's that? Where's that ten second delay? I'm sorry. At what Beep. point did I lose control of this show? When you said go. No, but I mean seriously, right? So, do I? Even if it's not something really, really bad. Yeah. What about you know if someone has their Netflix to a. Right. HBO show. You know, I can't think of one at the moment. Well, well now, now, you, now you're into copyright infringement and, and DRM well, issues because yeah. uh, guess what? You're publicly displaying it now. 
Yeah, uh, well, yeah. you know, that'll be tough to, to to really go after. But well, I understand know. it. But I mean, it, it, I mean, think about it though. I mean, it opens up all hey, kinds of what? weird possibilities. You give and... Chris Dodd two sniffs of that, and he'll be all over yeah, it. Absolutely, he will. And the other thing you got you need to remember is it's a little projector on a little phone. So I'm going to show my PowerPoint presentation. How do I control the PowerPoint presentation now if the phone right. is sitting on the table, <laughs> projected on the screen? Wait, because the, the text screen is going to be on, and you can use the control. It'll just mm -hmm. have these little slide controls. The projector on, right? will be a right. secondary and as, soon as, and as soon as I run my finger across it, then the, then, the, then the projector slides away, or it's sitting on a little tripod, and I knock it over, or uh, you know, I hit the wrong button because it's got multi-gestures. We are the eternal that, pessimist today, aren't we? Because I'm with that, Adrian. That, I, voice you control. Know, there we go. Voice control. control. It'll have well, Siri built in. You know, Siri <laughs> built I'm mixing in. things together. Okay, there okay. you go. But no, that's slide, also please. when you have my patented no-slip no, no grip. Uh, cover <laughs> there you sell go. You for these kind of presentations. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, the first thing I thought about with, with this was, okay, you know, we do mobile video conferencing now with the life-size Muriel products. And, um, you know, it's a really cool thing. It works with Android and, and iPhones and everything like that. And I thought, oh, great. We can blow that picture up. Oh, how's the camera going to work? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to see the other person, you know. I, I understand where Tim's coming from, though, just from a, hey, you know, this is a sign of things to come, right? But how long have we had the little, uh, what's, the, what's the little projector you can slap on your iPhone? How many people really use those? You know, were those any good? Well, and, and I, I go back to, good Lord, three or four years ago, uh, I went by the DLP, the, the Texas Instrument booth, and they were showing me the very first LED projector I've ever seen. It was a Pico. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, it was a Pico. Uh, but it was something like this, and it was about the same size a as the Galaxy Beam. And that's what I'm thinking when I think of this thing, where, you know what, I've got two small kids. I have a, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and, you know, we're, we, you, you get on a plane, and you have a couple options. You can give them your cell phone to mess with. You can, you know, lay down 500 bucks for... Uh, for an iPad and, and you know throw movies on there or you could do something like this where you put the the the, the tray tay the the uh, food tray up on the flight and you you show you know movies on it so I don't know yeah and from a personal entertainment standpoint I think that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah it's cool yeah, it's, one it's of cool things that could make something like WiMAX actually possible remember WiMAX wanted to be this munified thing that you would get your content it would go from you know content device to right. content device wherever you were well this is the perfect part because it's not a little screen It'll be something, well, not not big, but it'll be bigger than just looking at it on a Android phone. Yeah. Right. It'll be interesting to see what the next generation looks like, you know, if it does get up to 800 lumens and higher resolution. So. I'd settle for 100 lumens, you know. Yeah, because, I mean... Going from 15 to 100 would be a huge step. Because, so. I mean, to your point, Tim, you're not going to show it on a plane at 15 lumens. No. No, you're so. not. All right, you're well, you know, I, I end it, I end it lupins, right? Give me your lupins. Stop your lupins. <laughs> <laughs> if it's 100 lupins, hey, we're done. <laughs> More cowbell, please. If you're listening, still listening to AV Week, thank you very much. I appreciate it. The check is in the mail. Um, I, I'm Tim Albright. Uh, one of the guys on here is George Tucker. I don't know where he is. I've lost him at this point. Uh, the other one is Adrian Boyd and uh, Michael Drainer. Uh, those two gentlemen are from St. Louis. Uh, we're going to stop for a second and do something we like to do because, you know what, I'm all about trying to get people jobs and employed in this industry. You know why? Because I love it. And I think you will, too. Uh, go. This is the AV Week Job of the Week. Uh, AV Week Job of the Week. Um, if you are looking for a job, don't like yours, or you are presently unemployed, go to ravepubs.com forward slash avjobs. Ravepubs.com forward slash avjobs to look for a job. Or, you know what? If you're 
If you're an employer and you have a job opening, go there as well uh, to list your job if you would. Uh, this week's AV Week Job of the Week is an AV Integration Designer for Cine Audiovisual. Uh, the job is in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So if you've always wanted to live in, in Canada, which I have, but my wife won't let me, uh, <laughs> um, or if you're up in, in that way, uh, check this out. Uh, you, you're working with account managers and customers. Uh, you're supporting the installation and the uh, programming teams. And they ask that you have an advanced AV knowledge, a CTS or a CTSD. And I'm, let me just tell you from experience, a CTSD would be lovely in this position. Uh, for more information, go to cineav.com forward slash careers. cineav.com forward slash careers. Is this, if this isn't your cup of tea or your line of work, go to, AV, or go to uh, ravepubs.com forward slash avjobs. ravepubs.com forward slash AV jobs. That is the AV week job of the week. Uh, gentlemen, this comes to us by way of CNET, but it could have come half a dozen ways. The, the one that we're actually using though is from CNET. Uh, the headline reads, if you've bought a laptop, a TV monitor, or you know any sort of other LCD display, you may be owed money. And there he goes, woohoo, because I probably bought one of those. Uh, basically what this is is, um, in, in October of 2010, uh, California's Attorney General filed a lawsuit against 10 companies. Samsung was one of them. <laughs> there, there goes that ribbon again. Uh, Hitachi, Sharp, others were as well. And basically they were saying, you know, you guys colluded on, on, and price fixed uh, against, uh, against the uh, people buying LCDs, so you owe some money. And they won um, basically, the funds round up to about five hundred million dollars. Uh, we're going to put a link on the on the uh, website for this for this episode for this story, so you can check it out. Because there's a bunch of states, twenty four in all. Um, Illinois, of course, is not one of them. But of course you know, not. Uh, New York is, George. So you're in there. Um, is this? I mean, is this right? Should should this have happened? I guess. Uh, and is this? kind of the reason why Samsung spun off their, their business. George? I'm sorry. I was thinking about how I was going to spend a 30 cents this will get me. Oh, hey. <laughs> By the way, real, real quickly, um, the, the website for this is lcdclass.com. lcdclass.com. My, my thing is I'm just shocked that people are shocked. You know, I, I feel like there's someone going, I'm sh shocked. There's I, I tell you, shocked here? that this kind of thing is going on in the AV industry manufacturing side. Uh, of course they colluded, and they got caught. And I'm sure as a minute they they said, okay, we're settling, they're doing it again. No. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just an ongoing thing. And come on, it's a class action suit. How much do you think you're really going to get? Unless your whole goal in this is to go, yeah, get them, screw, you know, put a screw to the screws, you know. Nah. Well, okay, the, the so lawyers win. The lawyers won in this one. Yeah, That's they're the happened. only ones that win. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I went around and I counted all the displays I have that may fall into this. I'm like, that's a lot of LCD panels. <laughs> well, see, you're oh, so the one who's going to make out on this. Good, you're buying dinner, okay? <laughs> well, I got five that sit in front of me. <laughs> so you'll get, you know, a buck fifty. So yeah, you're buying dinner. Yeah. When we we when we go to Vegas at Infocom this year, you can buy us the dollar fifty steak dinner. So at, uh, <laughs> was it Uncle Bill's? Uncle Bill's, place? yeah. There Uncle Bill's go. rocks. I like yeah, Uncle Bill's. Uncle Bill's does rock. So, Adrian, is this is this kind of you know was this? Do you think this is the linchpin that, that kind of smacked Samsung out of this, the LCD business directly because they had to pay 
the biggest portion of this. Of the $500 million, they paid almost half of it at 240 Yeah, they paid a big chunk of it, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they spun out their LCD business, you know. And uh, is it still happening? Yeah, I kind of agree if Georgia probably still is in certain segments of the industry. I mean, it's, this is not the first time we've seen it happen with chip manufacturers and hard drives and you know, it's just the it's just the kind of thing to you know. Hey, you know, we're not going to do this if you don't do this. And everybody goes, okay, as long as we're all going to make money. But when you look at it, I mean, I have no idea what how much you're going to get out of it. I mean, every time one of these class action lawsuits, you know, it doesn't matter what sector it is, you know, you usually end up with a gift certificate or something, or you know, maybe five bucks here or ten bucks here. No one really walks away with you know a big payday that they're thinking they're going to get, other than the lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, is this? Are we shocked? I mean, I know you, you cynical yahoos aren't shocked, but <laughs> you didn't have any optimists on the show today, no, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, of a good optimist right now, and I can't think of one. So, <laughs> no, I can't say I'm shocked by this by any stretch of the imagination. We know collusion goes on every day. It happens in every industry, in every sector of every industry. I mean, goodness, it happens between service providers. Um, you know what, you don't touch this client and we'll do this and, and uh, you know, both of us win uh, type situation. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised by it. I don't know that it was necessarily the straw that broke the camel's back to spin off the LCD division, um, but it could have definitely played a role in it for Samsung. I think uh, Samsung has just got to get strategic in how they're going to continue to progress and uh, grow their market share. I mean, the fact of the matter is that all of these panels come off of just a handful of production lines anyway. But they're one of them, though. But they are they are one of the few that actually make the glass. Um, so that's, that's really why they're, I believe they're holding the largest share here. Something that, that actually Brad Grimes mentioned last week when he, we were talking about that story, the fact that, that Samsung was spinning this off. He said it was chilling to him because here is a company that makes their own glass and they can't make money doing it. Well, is it because they can't make money doing it or they don't want to put the dollars forth into the market development, the sales channels, the distribution to make that happen? I mean, there's companies out there that we don't hear of every day that make the majority of their of their revenue off of OEMing for other manufacturers. Yeah. And and one that's right here in Illinois is Quam Nichols Corporation. Quam OEMs products for many other major manufacturers that you hear about every day. People like Duquesne and Valcom and um, you know I could, I could probably name four or five others if I if I started going down the list, but. Um, you know, but Quam themselves, you don't hear a lot of, but they're one of the largest manufacturers of commercial speakers and baskets. Hmm. And likewise, I think Samsung, it's its really a strategic move to OEM their products out to these other manufacturers. It increases their distribution, increases their, their market saturation and their share of their products into the space. And their cost of sale is a whole lot lower. And they're, and they're embracing OLED, which excites me. Well, so. yeah, yeah. And, well, it allows them to focus their efforts in, in refining their technology and yeah. moving on to the next best thing. Does that mean that they're going to stop building LCDs? No. Oh, no, it doesn't. But they're, they're, just, they're just going to stop selling them. Yeah. Right. Well, they're not even going to stop selling them. They're, they spun that off on completely into a different company. Right. You know, the whole, you know, the, the well, stuff. you also get this when they lower their margins and go after the, the mass market. You have to lower your margins. If you don't play it right, we've talked about this a thousand yeah. times on these shows. Yeah, we have. Then you get caught, not just as an installer, but as the manufacturer. Um, mm -hmm. Although, to be to be a bit glib, this is the kind of AV story that I will not show my parents. Because it just <laughs> it just reinforces their fact that, see, you should have been a lawyer. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, from across the pond. 
this is a Pro AV is be, has been recognized. Pro AV is, a, is an integrator has been recognized as a Cisco authorized digital media systems partner, a DMS. Uh, the press the, the release says that uh, Pro AV, one of the UK's leading audio visual systems integrators, has been officially recognized as a Cisco authorized digital media systems partner, having demonstrated a proven sales and support capability to clients with integrated digital media solutions. The reason I mention this and, and bring this up, Michael, I'm going to admit the fact that I'm still you know in, in an old school kind of guy. I saw this and I'm like, well, this is kind of interesting. This is cool. You know, an AV company, an AV integrator is a Cisco authorized partner. That's kind of cool, right? That That's unique. That's mm-hmm. different, right? That's news. Sure. Is it? Sure. No, it's not. <laughs> it's nothing new. That's, that's my, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's nothing new. I, I mean, we've been a Cisco partner for many years. Now, I, I'm not going to say we're this this new digital media systems partner. This is something new that Cisco's developed that is uh, exclusive to their their consumer and AV product lines, mm-hmm. uh, such as digital signage, enterprise-wide TV, desktop video applications, and, and things like that. But but the driving factor for Cisco here is is it's all about infrastructure, right? Their whole purpose in gaining partnerships with AV companies to sell these ancillary products such as the Tamberg video conferencing that they recently acquired their digital signage solutions is to sell more infrastructure more core and that's really what it's all about um, we we are a Cisco partner from the standpoint that we need the switching and the routing that that's really what we need from them um, we've got other manufacturers that do a very good job at these other product lines and I'm not saying that the the Cisco stuff isn't as good or it's not I can't really speak to that um, but uh, this is nothing new to me. I mean, there, there's a lot of partners out there, a lot of AV companies that, that sell and distribute in our partners with Cisco. Okay, so George, does this lend credence to my, 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 uh, my prediction a few, a few months ago on this very program where Cisco is trying to take over the world? I, I, I may just have to eat my hat. I don't think I ever made that quote. <laughs> no, but I said it, I did. I no, did. but I mean, I was saying that I was denying it, so oh. eat my hat. Um. You watch old movies too. Come on. Yeah, sorry. Abbott Costello. If he's right, I'll eat my hat. Um, I Although I've never here. seen I anybody actually everything. do it. Eat their hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it, I'm curious about it from a couple of sides because it looks really cool and it gives a lot of flexibility. Um, they, you know, they have the entire ecosystem down to down to uh, mm-hmm. the the media serving and the media content production at this point and transmission. Um, they're they're out there trying to make private broadcast networks for people. It's really kind of cool. Um, but, Michael, you were saying that you're a partner and you think it's it's great. But do you see this eating away at some of your traditional business? No. And will your relationships with other companies Not at all. because of it? Not at all. I really don't. Um, and and it, it, it comes down – and maybe it's because we're here in the Midwest. But, you know, the price point on a lot of this stuff is well beyond what people in this part of the country are going to pay. Uh, for these products and services. Now, I don't know about the UK where ProAV is located, but but here we have to do a lot of value engineering um, in order to provide the solutions that A, our customers want, and B, that they can afford, right? That's always the, the magic the magic piece of the puzzle. Um, so, you know, we're always trying to find the right parts and pieces to make that happen. And a lot of times, uh, Cisco will be the backbone that we use to make that happen, but we also rep infrastructure from HP, Brocade, uh, and a couple of other ancillary companies for routing and switching. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I think maybe it's it's uh, 
um, it's Cisco's way of trying to eat into the pro AV space. You know, it really started with the Tamburg acquisition and, and when they started, uh, they, they started their video conferencing a couple years ago and they saw they weren't doing it as well. Tamburg really had it down. So let's buy Tamburg. Okay. Well now we need digital signage. So let's go out and buy digital signage. Okay. Well now we need, and, and it just continues to grow from there, but it's not, it's not innovation by any stretch of the imagination. Most partners are going to them for what they're innovative with and that's their core products. So I have, I, I'm sorry. I have the question for both you and Agent. I guess where's the trigger though? Where's that threshold that that would be your your, your full solution? You said it's a little expensive and it's value engineered, but where's the threshold? Again, I never came from a real yeah, you know, installer for, like you guys. For me, I don't want all my eggs in one basket, and most of my customers don't either. Um, when they're looking for a solution, they they want what's going to work number one. But I think as a as an AV company, I would be amiss to partner exclusively with one manufacturer to provide all my products and services. You know, doing that is um, you know I'm putting an awful lot of faith and hope in that company to make sure they're going to be around to take care of not only me but my customers, and that's why we represent products from both. AMX and Crestron. Oh, and and Extron, because now I can I can build solutions that um, can not only scale but that have longevity. And if something goes awry with one of these guys, guess what? I could take a competitor's product and drop it in. When I go with a 100% proprietary platform or an exclusive platform, it's much more difficult to do that and to service that customer. And I think that's the difference between AV and IT. When you look at the IT world. Um, when you look at a lot of deployments, uh, at least in my experience, it's always been uh, we're going to go with one vendor who supplies everything soup to nuts. And that's what we're going to stick with because it drops the cost down. There, there's uh, uh, you know service that comes with that. And so we're going to go an entire Cisco solution or we're going to look at a Nortel solution um, because usually it covers everything from you know your backbone infrastructure, your phones, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Exactly. And you know, we can bring the cost down because it's one vendor now, one SKU, you know, one salesperson. And I, that's how Cisco has been approaching the AV market is an IT centric ideal is everything under one roof, you know, all the eggs in one basket, as as, as uh, Michael was saying. And we're going to be your end all be all solution. But when, you know, we look as we're, as we're AV designers, we generally don't think that way. It's usually the right products for the solution, you know, to get you to do what needs to be done to get you to where you want to be. And if that's from one manufacturer, great. But if that's from four or five different manufacturers, because, you know, Crestron makes, you know, the, the best product to do this or Extron or some other, uh, you know, manufacturer you may have never heard of, but they make the product that will work for this solution. That's generally how we design. We don't look at it from, you know, the IT world where it's, this is all it this is all it's going to be and if something breaks well we'll just phone up and we'll swap it in and you know there you go well and and there's some power in that in in having that that unified platform there's a lot of power in that but i see it in much 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 larger deployments when you look at your typical av installation i mean you talk to any integrator their average installation is anywhere from 20 to 50,000 dollars they're not mm-hmm. the the quarter million three quarter of a million multi-million dollar projects those are out there but they're much fewer and far between so to be able to meet all the requirements that uh, are placed on a dealer to to make minimums and quotas and training and all that stuff to go exclusive you better be doing a whole lot of really big projects um to justify that yeah well enterprise-wide yes let, let me let me play devil's advocate for a second here i'm the manufacturer let's say i'm you know i'm timtron i'm not extra i'm not <laughs> crestron i'm timtron, timtron. <laughs> timtron. <laughs> and and i start out making i don't know 
a control system. Do you system. have little blue discs? I do. <laughs> I have a. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I have a little blue disc. Um, and hello, user. <laughs> I'm Q, actually. Um, Q, there you go. So, if I am the manufacturer, I say, okay, you know, integrator or designer, I have everything you need. I've spent the last twenty or thirty years. You know, yeah, I started out, you know, selling switchers, or yeah, I started out selling control systems, but I've, I've worked and I've worked and, and I've purchased and I've got everything. I have everything from, you know, let's say that we even make projectors now. So we've got everything from, from the source all the way up to the display. All you have to do is do this one and, and we're, we'll take care of you. Is, is there not some, some value in putting all your eggs in one basket? Well, th- there is, and it depends on the situation, though. I mean, it, uh, some systems, it requires that level of, of commitment to a specific product line. If I Let's take Extron, for instance, right? If I'm doing a, um, a larger multi-room uh, combined divide distribution system, it makes a lot of sense for me to go to Crestron, use a DM solution, bring it all back to one matrix, have all the control tied in there, use the same touch panels. It makes a lot of sense on that size of deployment. Um, but whenever I get into... Um, uh, smaller situations that, that have different levels of complexity, different requirements, then I I have to use a hodgepodge and a mix of things. Because let's face it, you know, Crestron is not the best when it comes to scaling. They do really well with switching. They do really well with conversion. They do good with control. But guess what? I need some powerful scalers. I got to go to somebody else to get that. Um, you know, if they had that kind of engineering or if they were to buy it, maybe I would consider it. But um, you know, I want what's going to work best for my customer in their application. And I think that's what really speaking to what Adrian was talking about, that's what's really different between IT companies and AV integrators. IT companies think more from, and, and I could say this coming from an IT background, we think more from the standpoint of how am I going to support this? How am I going to administer this? How does it make my life easy as the person that I've, that has to take care of this? And it's not so much about the user. Yeah. It's not so much about the user experience. And you and I, Tim, have had many conversations about this when it comes to touch panel design and system design and things like that and what makes sense for the end user. Mm-hmm. When we as system designers take a holistic approach to really coming up with a comprehensive solution, we're looking at it from the user's shoes. What makes sense for the end user? And it doesn't matter what the product is at that stage of the game. So if I've got a manufacturer that can do it all, yeah, I'll take a look at it. But really, I'm not even thinking about manufacturers when I'm when I'm starting to put a design together. I'm really thinking about what makes sense for this user. That makes sense. By the way, I, I've I've I find I've found out who's going to take the uh, the empty space that Extron has has vacated at Infocom. Timtron. Timtron. <laughs> so. We're not having a bash. I am Tim Tron. We're not going to have a bash, but we'll, we'll, we'll you know, put up the thing. So You'll have one heck of a keynote speech. Indeed. Uh, from Gizmodo, guys, uh, if you watched the Oscars this past weekend, one of the little themes going on uh, through the Twitterverse was, um, I'm just going to quote the, the Gizmodo line uh, lead story, or the, the title here, what the hell is that weird noise at the Oscars? And some guys said it would sound like Atari. Some, I, I, it sounded a little bit like a high-pitched squeal or, or something to me. One of the hashtags on Twitter was "Yo Oscars Sound Guy." <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? My wife won't watch the news with me anymore. It, and I'm, this is kind of a bigger story. Yes, it was. It was whatever it was. It was weird. But this kind of goes along with you know what? Let's go back to our buddy John Huntington from from New York. In, in educating guys and training them up and doing some sort of, you know, a journeyman type internship. 
where you show them how to how to handle things. Michael and I were talking about this story off the air before we, we connected with you guys. You can even go back a year ago to the Super Bowl with, with the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, like or hate the Black Eyed Peas, I don't care. That's not what that's, this is about. That mix was atrocious. And it wasn't the Peas' fault. No, it wasn't. So, it, George, we'll start with you because you do a lot of live stuff, dude. How do we get people? And I don't know who ran sound. I'm not bashing him personally. But mm. there was something going on that wasn't fixed and should have been. Yeah, I, I mean, I was... I wasn't going to watch the Oscars, but as I was actually snuggling into bed, my wife was watching it on TV. I'll be unseen, sir. Um, so I was, uh, so, uh, but the noise was so weird to me because in the bedroom, we don't have surround. We have the stereos, mm -hmm. right? Just the two channel. And I'm like, what is that? It's driving me nuts. And at first, she wasn't hearing it. And I thought, oh, it's like the professional thing. You know, you listen to music, you hear the compressor going. Or, oh, wow, that's a hard knee on that compressor. That's awful. Right? You know, there's things that you don't want to do, but because of what we know. You do. And I it's a to, dreaded I, curse, isn't it? That. Yeah, it is a curse. Um, but I was like, what the? It was driving me bananas. So I went on and was like trying to uh, uh, hook up with my friend Mark Shubin, uh, who's an engineering extraordinaire guy. And... Um, he was like, oh, I'm not watching it, but what does it sound like? And his only thought was that maybe it's an encode-decode problem. Because when you were starting to see some of the tweets and then some of the news articles about it within that day and a little after, they were, the truck was going, not here, it's fine with us. The audience is not hearing it. You know, surround sound people were saying, nope, we don't hear it. Uh, and then I think Huntington was one of the ones who tweeted that when he turned off surround, he heard it. Mm -hmm. And the minute he put 5.1 back on, it was gone. Sounds to me like somewhere down the transmission chain, some encoding something in the bits wasn't right, <laughs> to be technical. Um, but it, something just went amiss. And it's sort of like the days of – remember Saturday Night Live? Everybody hated the audio. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody in the audience said it was great, but TV people hated it. And I don't know if that was – you know, somebody just saying we, we like it live and the home people too bad. You know, they can't pirate it. But – I don't know if this is really necessarily an issue of being educated or somewhere down the chain something just didn't happen. You know, for all we know, it could have been uh, a big transmission cable connector and it's something opened up a little bit and it caused this problem. We don't know. Um, and no one's talking, evidently. Yeah. But everyone I've tried to bounce it off of said, I, I don't know. Um, although, uh, again, to be a little uh, sarcastic, I did look this up uh, this morning. And one of the first uh, one one of the first uh, links that comes up in Google when you do Oscars TV noise is Godlike Productions, who was claiming that it was uh, subliminal messaging. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Go watch. Sorry. Go watch the artist. Go watch the I, artist. Yes, the artist. There is no sound. <laughs> they will speak to you. <laughs> yeah, there's no sound to screw up on the artist. It's a silent film. Uh, yeah, but then you get all the teenagers in the back chewing and screaming. Oh wait, they don't go to those. So, right. Yeah. Well, Adrian, back to the bigger point. Is this, I mean, how do we get, how did we get here? Okay. When, when I first started in radio, we had guys who um, were engineers extraordinaire from way back. I, I, I don't know if I've told this story or not, but one of the, the first engineers I ever worked at, at, at KMOX, his name was Paul Grunhauser. And part of Paul's senior project when he graduated, you know, 40 years ago now, he put together a montage. If you're not familiar with a, what a montage is, it's several songs spliced together to make to make it sound like it's one one solid song without any any interruptions. He did this on reel to reel, a 20 minute montage of the Beatles. 
Okay, this is the level of, of audio engineering that this guy had. He had some serious chops. We go from that to the Oscars and the Black Eyed Peas of last year's Super Bowl. How did you know, we get here? I, you know, I actually think it was it, it was more technology than it was who was ever doing front of house and back of house. Because when you got when you go back and examine the recorded footage that they 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 played, and even the clips that you know you can now see. That sound isn't there. Um, you know, I only heard a little bit of it, and that was just for a brief section because you know I just can't take the Oscars anymore. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm sitting here, I'm listening, and I'm going, "What the heck is that?" Like everyone else was, I'm thinking, "Is was it either?" I thought it might have been the uh, the cut delay, you know, mm-hmm. in case you know someone says something on the wart and you know, oh, we got cut it. You know, I, I I almost thought that that was what we were hearing, but you know, when you think about it. it was obviously digital. Um, I'm pretty positive they've gone to you know some sort of digital backbone with the Oscars. I mean, you know, you think about it. So it it had to have been something somewhere down the line, because from what everybody's saying is the mix was clean before it hit transmission. Yeah. You know, it's somewhere down the line. But and isn't that like saying the checks in the mail. I mean, there's there's something I've noticed over the last couple of years is we look at the transition for new AV uh, uh, individuals who and skills in the industry compared to what you know would be the old guard. It's almost like some of that knowledge is not being transferred to this newer generation. You know, the, the you know those guys in the company who knew where all the bodies were buried, there's that there's something in their skill set that is not being transferred anymore as it was used to be. Now is that a, a, a deficiency in the new blood coming up, not wanting to to sit and take the time to learn something from from that from that old guard, or is it the old guard's reluctance of of giving away all those secrets and keeping them close to the vest because they still want to be relevant and and and, and current and and oh you know I know how to fix that and then they don't tell anybody how they fix that. So I'm always wondering, you know, is that really what we're 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 getting stuck with right now? Because we're going from this world of analog to digital. And there's a big kind of with this jump. I mean, things have changed, and the old ways of doing it don't apply anymore. No. But every once in a while, that old way of doing it makes perfect sense, and that's the way it should be done. Um, you know, I was saying earlier, um, back in the '90s, Sony had a great commercial, um, at least in Canada. I don't know if they had it here. Um, you have all these nerds, these high-tech, you know, and they're sneering at this the jock. And they're bugging him because he can't plug in the VCR. And he gets scrolled across his locker at school, analog, and he says, I'm not analog, you're analog. And and that was the great the great thing about that was is the you know, how we're looking at how things have changed. You know? it you know, I like the, I like analog stuff. I like sine waves and you know, square waves are <laughs> they're very when pleasant. You, you look at a sine wave and a square wave of a piece of music and go, Oh look, they're cutting off the tops and bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it. You know, I'm pretty sure we're losing some of that, and that could be what we're seeing now in some of these big productions is the the switch in technology, the switch in gear, but some of that knowledge is not being transferred anymore. Well, I and, mean, the, the the fact is, Adrian, it's gotten more complex. You know, it, it's gotten more complex inside the box, and and the the people that are operating it don't have to have the intimate knowledge of it because it, there's nothing you can do about it in the field. But instead of 
um, putting forth the proper planning, what what I've personally experienced is that it's just, okay, well, it's the manufacturer's fault. There's nothing we can do about it. All right, well, you can do proper planning to make sure that you've got enough uh, resources in place. So if you do have a problem, you can deal with it. Um, yeah. and, and that's a whole other piece of the puzzle. What I'm finding with technicians that I'm looking to hire and engineers that I'm looking to hire and things like that, what, what I find that this next group that's coming up is lacking is a lot of the, the cognitive, logical processes that are required to effectively troubleshoot and eliminate problems quickly. You know, they, they can do it, but it takes them a tremendous amount of time. And back in the analog days, man, these guys had to think on their toes. They were moving fast. They had to improvise. It was it was do whatever it takes to keep us going. Yeah. Chewing and, gum, bailing wire, and duct tape. Well, you're exactly right. And, and that's not an over-exaggeration. No. And you had to know that the Trident gum had a certain resistance. You didn't want to oh, use dentine. Well, yeah, well, that's exactly right. I, I, I remember doing <laughs> Don't you know, get the one with the crystals in it. With, with using uh, electrical extension cords run mic wire. Not not something you're supposed to do, but if you had to. Hey, you know what? In a, in a, in a pickle, you can do whatever, you do whatever you have to do. But see, in the digital era, you can't do that. Exactly. You're, you're limited by the physics of, of the technology and, and what it's wow. capable of doing and how it's got to transport. I mean – uh, but let's face the facts. I've had to use a regular analog mic cable. Nobody yell at me for AES. Mm, wow. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> but 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 you know what? You do what you got to do to get by. It worked. Is it ideal? No, but it worked. Yeah. You know, I feel like we've deviated a little bit here. We like, did. We could did. this be the reason why it happened? <laughs> no. Yes. Now, do I do I agree? Deviated. Um, <laughs> we don't go on tangents around here. Rabbit I don't want to get on a rant here, but you, you forget you forget the name of one of my blogs. Um, right. Tertiary. Um, <laughs> Mr. Tertiary, here I am. Um, so no, but it, so I can agree with you on that. Is what I'm saying is that when I was uh, when I was at a restaurant and trying to hire, one of the things we did it was test guys who said, "Oh, I'm an audio engineer." Really. And, you know, yeah. you would ask the question, okay, that's good. I know a little bit about all this stuff, so let's go as far as you can You can start to show me that I don't know what I'm talking about. And one of the first questions I would ask is, you know, what is an XLR for? Oh, well, it's for audio. Okay, good, good. We got that. Well, mostly, but for an audio guy. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they, they would go down the thread of, okay, so why is it an XLR? Um, sometimes I would get noise. Okay, that's good. But sometimes I go, okay, so what do the pins mean? Uh, left, right, and ground. Oh, now, these guys are saying that they were Ouch. audio engineers, you know, and I kind of look at them going, you know, I grew up in a, in a staging company that you better know. And they taught you if you didn't know. But I also went to school for it a little bit. And one of the first right. things they teach you is that. So but even when the guys who knew that it was for noise, I'm like, well, how does it work? I don't know. Did you ever hear the word differential amplifier? No, it's like. And I wasn't doing it all the time to get these guys to tell me that they knew everything. It was, as you said, what's that logical thought process of mm -hmm. I know X, Y, and Z, therefore I can deduce this. Exactly. The deductive it, reasoning element. Oh, now that I've seen an issue with. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Uh, I tell I you to start playing more Sudoku. With my current, <laughs> with my current, exactly. Well, I used to have a guy that would do something like that. One of his tests was a Sudoku-like test for these guys because he right. figured if they could do this – they can solve anything. I can yeah. teach them anything. Yeah, and it's not about the technology. It's 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 the it's the reasoning capability. It's the right? processes. Right. Right. This is a paper bag. Here's a spray gun. Can you get out? Right. You know. <laughs> well, that, that's with anything, though. That's with that's, that's teaching anything, and, and, and that's one thing I I tell my students in in my audio production class is like, you know what? I can teach you a hundred different audio uh, platforms. But I, I teach you one. I'm not teaching you Pro Tools. I'm teaching you the basic concepts and theories behind how to put things together. 
And that I think is what we're missing and, and what's lacking is mm-hmm. what 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 is the A to Z punch list of troubleshooting? You know, what what is that cognitive cognitive process of how to figure out this problem? Step number one is the power on. Yeah. <laughs> You know, is there, yeah. Is, is there power? But doesn't it make you frustrated when you're troubleshooting and someone says, "Is it plugged in?" Yeah, it's like, yeah, I did that about thirty <laughs> steps ago. <laughs> yeah, the only reason why I'm calling you is because everything I've done doesn't work. Right. Yeah, but the problem with that is, of course, is that how many people do you think that solves a problem for when they call in? Yeah. Well, they and, and that's and that's the fun. sad thing. Yeah. Well, and you know what? <laughs> none, none of us are perfect. I mean, there, there have been times where I've been frustrated and, and in a hurry. And forgot, you know, I've skipped steps one through five because I know good and well that those aren't it. And I'll have a buddy of mine come behind me and go, did you do this? And I'm like, well, no, I and he'll do it. And there you go. I think that happened so, last week, didn't it? I think it did. So, <laughs> uh, if you listen to AV Week, real quickly, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a tangent and you don't have to comment on this if you don't want. Okay, so let's talk about Twitter for a second. Total first year, first world problem, right? Total first world problem. On Twitter, if you're in the AV industry, and hopefully you're, you're, you are because you're listening to this, this podcast, if you're on Twitter and you don't know about what a hashtag is, the hashtag is the pound sign, um, if you, you do a, a search for a pound sign or hashtag, AV tweets and AV news, that'll get you audio-visual news, right? And audio-visual information on the AV tweets side. Well, here recently... Um, the aviation industry has been creeping in on our AV news, and I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know. Oh, the scallywags. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so there are these guys, and, and one of our buddies, Johnny Moda, does this as well. He does. He puts out a, a daily, they call them papers, and it's, 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 a, it's a website. It's, it looks a lot like, like, um, like WordPress. It's, it has a bunch of links and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A couple days ago, I got pulled into one of these things by the AV industry guys. By uh, the, the the guy's uh, Twitter handle is is Binky Airways, and <laughs> Binky Airways. you know what? I, I don't make this up. I just report it. I'm sorry. And you actually clicked on it? Yeah. No, no. He, but he pulled me in, and, and he pulled in one of our episodes, uh, one one of our podcasts. Ah. And, and I'm appreciative. Don't get me wrong. You know, anybody that wants to listen to our stuff, I think is great. But this is an aviation. Thing you know, and, and he's and he's you know, you know, pimping our, our our thing, which is great. Again, I think it's awesome. Is that where the six hundred downloads came from that yes, day? Yeah, <laughs> from from Nova Scotia, actually, the entire island of Nova Scotia. Uh, That's a lot of Nova Scotians. Uh, you know, they don't have much to do there. Yeah. It's cold right now. <laughs> I just yes. haven't got over hey. Binky Airways. I just but keep thinking I mean, of a bunch of infants flying a plane. I know. I just, I don't know. Again, it, this is a total. First world problem, but I just, I, it, it, I don't know if it gets my panties in a bunch. Maybe, I, tell you. I mean, we can all get along, but come on, guys. I mean, weren't we here first? Can't we just never mind? This is kind of like completely random people that follow you on Twitter, and you're like, you have nothing to do with AV. Exactly. Why are you following me? Well, but you know what's interesting about that? I started doing some research when Tim told me about this, and they do. They refer to their industry as the AV industry, the aviation industry. So so there's a lot of stuff. If you go out and do a search for AV Week, there's actually a publication called AV Week. That's aviation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when we, when we, when we went looking for, this, for the website for this podcast, um, we, uh, we was like, you know um, – Let's let's look for avweek.com. Uh-uh, no way. Uh-uh, it's it's a it's a publication. So yeah, I don't know. Again, total first world problem, but I I just found it interesting and I wanted to rant about it. So 
So you hear this, you Nova Scotians. The shot's been fired across the bow. <laughs> Your mind's in cue, Dave. I just started, oh, great. I just now started. we have another eight, more of 1812 going to start. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> All right, let's 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 wrap this sucker up. Uh, George Tucker, he is he's from New York. I'm not going to go down that road. He's from New York. <laughs> Yonkers. World stage. Uh, where can people find your your tertiary TuckersTuesday.TypePad.com. I also do some social work for World Stage, and I'm a rave blogger. And if if somebody wants to do the Twitter thing with you, what is that? TuckerTwos. At TuckerTwos. At TuckerTwos, yes. Well. Adrian Boyd, he's from Vector Sketch uh, across the river from us in the grand city of St. Louis. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, they can find me at VectorSketch.com or at the underscore... AV underscore CAD underscore guy on Twitter. And uh, we do wonderful things like outsource AV engineering and CAD work for integrators and consultants. And and just as a side, I don't know if anybody heard this, but this just dropped today. Um, Kodak is actually discontinuing uh, their uh, color reversal slide film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Is anybody else surprised by that? <laughs> Great googly moogly. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you can still get let's the go, let's stuff, go, but let's hey, go buy you know, up the leftover inventory. And, hey, hey, and in hey, related news... I, I think t- you still have slide projectors in school, right, Tim? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Are I you have, serious? I have one professor on this campus. <laughs> and, and, and here's... Okay, here's... Oh, my God. There's gosh, nothing this, like the Malone for the This is a rabbit hole. Three. Here's Boop. the thing. The, the, guy ta- the guy teaches microbiology, right? And the slides are, are of STDs. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's so, to transfer them for him. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. Is who the freak am I going to get to transfer this for him? Because you know, the first time, so the guy calls me up. He's like, you know, our slide projector is, is busted. And I honestly thought it, it, at first he was talking about the projector in the ceiling. No, no, he's talking about the actual Kodak carousel. And all it was was a bulb. And so I replaced the bulb and, and you know, turn it on to, to make sure it, it happens. And you're like, whoa, hey, <laughs> good morning. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Nothing like so a 100-inch diagonal STD staring at you. So needless to say, we can't get Tim out of the microbiology lab anymore. <laughs> now I need to shower again. Yeah, right. He's curled up in a corner. Going, I don't my... <laughs> oh, God. I, sh- I should put, no, I should bring my, my daughter in there when she turns about 13 or 14. Exactly. Like, see? See? See, uh, see that? Uh-huh. There you go. That little boy that's chasing you, see? See what he's carrying? <laughs> he's going to give that to you. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. You should have ended this show about 20 oh minutes ago. My, an hour, no, an hour and 13 minutes ago is when I should have ended it. Uh, Michael Drainer. He's from Tech Electronics. Where can Here's people the shark in the files when find I need you? <laughs> they can find me at techelectronics.com. Also, my Twitter is Michael Drainer. Um, and uh, I do have a blog, but I don't put anything in it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. I am the unfortunate host of this mess. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it is at TD, Tim David Albright, uh, on Twitter. But you know what? More importantly for us, uh, all the guys here at, at AV Nation, please go by the website, the portal uh, that Gary Kay and the guy is at, Rave's, at Rave has been so generous with. It's called Rave, it's, it's ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. You'll find this show and oh my goodness, so many more. Um, George Tucker, who is who is the gentleman here, does two of them. One's the DIY, and one of them is the uh, AV social. And he also has 
a very special live one coming up uh, here sometime in the next month. Uh, we do a daily show with, with Gary Kay, which is just Gary and myself talking for about, for about five or ten minutes about all things AV. And, and uh, today, actually, we talked about you know one of the biggest problems in, in, in uh, higher ed. Uh, the other day, he and I talked about the Extron uh, pulling out of Infocom. So, you know, on a daily basis, it'll, it'll fluctuate and go back and forth. Uh, and also, here in about less than a week, uh, we have a brand new uh, podcast dropping that I'm very, very excited about, and I'm not going to tell you who it is or what it is, uh, just to stay tuned to ravepubs.com forward slash avnation, uh, because it's really exciting and really cool. Um, you got me going, because I don't even know what it is, and I'm like humming on it. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's, 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 I'm, the person who's doing it, I'm going to let that person uh, promote the heck out of it. I'll, I'll be there to support, and I'll promote all I want, but I want this person to to really kind of kind of, you know, launch it and, and, and have the first say with it. So, but I, I will tell you, I was the, the sound engineer <laughs> for, for this, for this show and I listened to it and oh my goodness, the people that are on this, uh, and, and the person that hosted this, this, this is by far, um, something that I, I'm really, really happy with. And, and, um, it, it's really, really cool. And I'm really, really happy that we're able to, to, to provide the, the small, the small support that we're doing. Which is just you know you know promo- uh, produ- producing it the audio portion, uh, but it's it's something really cool. So it, it'll drop I believe on this Wednesday, which is uh, March seventh. So uh, stay I'm gonna tuned get you to spill that. the beans after the show. Yes, over. yes, I will. <laughs> I'm always excited. <laughs> um, yeah, again, check us out uh, av uh, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. It's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>